Wake up, football fans. It's a Sunday morning encore, live from the UK. Take your seat. Only on NFL Network. Some of the brightest stars in the game are ready to light up London. Let's go! Giants. He throws it left and makes the catch. Packers. Rogers going deep. Touchdown! Wake up early and watch with the world. It's Sunday morning football. Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, only on NFL Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but everybody knows the drill. We gotta let the screen breathe just for a few moments to make sure we have green check marks across all five of our streaming destinations and we're good welcome in everybody to the gut reaction episode here at the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle powered by overtime media i'm your host chad jensen and with me as always my partner in crime my fellow football priest we're here to commiserate with you we're here to help you exercise the demons but you know him you love him he is zach kelberman zach we jumped in live during the uh, halftime break, shared a few thoughts, but the Broncos surprised us with a late game quarterback change. Mm. And it had a little bit of a spark, didn't didn't ultimately end well for Brett Rippon. But what was your gut reaction to this final gun? The Broncos, of course, fall to the Bucks 28-10 at home, and it was pretty much a you-know-what show from the drop. Yeah, it was a literal spark, as in if this was a firecracker, he produced one single spark, Chad. That's what Brett Rippon can bring this organization. It was just the Buccaneers kind of playing prevent defense, knowing the game's in the bag. My takeaway is that, once again, Fangio would rather replace the quarterback than the reason the quarterbacks are bombing right now and the right tackle on the offensive line. The accountability or the lack thereof, Chad, is still mind-boggling to me. I don't know what Brett Rippon's going to offer this team that Jeff Driscoll couldn't do. And I don't know how fans he, – he wasn't great today by any means, but it, it's tough to play quarterback when you're constantly under duress, when you're constantly under barrage. And that's what Driscoll was today. But it's looking like, Chad, my gut reaction to watching this game is it's going to be Blake Bortles versus Sam Darnold on Thursday night. 0-3 versus 0-3. Get your popcorn ready. Honestly, I didn't see that coming. I mean, we received several questions this past week. Hey, you know, with the Blake Bortles signing, hey, is is Bortles going to come in and start? How soon, how soon should we expect Bortles starting? And Drew Hollenbach, in fact, jumping in with the Super Chat. We'll get to this right now. Appreciate you, Drew. Thank and, you, of Drew. course, hat tip to this gorgeous profile pic you got there on YouTube, my doc. Bonafide superstar. He says, so, million-dollar question, who starts Thursday night against the Jets? I thought Rippon looked better than Driscoll, but Bortles is far more experienced. Great question. But really quick, I didn't see it coming. I figured, you know, if the, if the Broncos are going to go away from Driscoll, it's got to be an injury or just absolute debauchery, just plain and simple bad quarterback play, like meltdown caliber. 
I wouldn't quite call today as bad as it was for Driscoll. I wouldn't quite call it meltdown caliber. So uh, I'll fall on that sword. I was wrong on that. It's going to be Bortles. Like, Zach, can you foresee any scenario knowing now that Driscoll's been benched that they go back to him or no. roll with Rippon? It's going to be Bortles, right? You can't go back to Driscoll. You, you know, you can't put the court back in the wine bottle. He was benched for a reason, and, and the Broncos and Fangio, and that decision came from Fangio. That wasn't Pat Shermer or anybody else. That was a Fangio call. And once you yank him, you're saying you're not the quarterback that's going to get us by until Drew Locke. Maybe it'll be Rippon. Likely it'll be Bortles. I think Chad Rippon was just a way to get Driscoll out of the game, and this is all a warm-up to get Blake Bortles under center before Locke gets healthy. So right now, gun in my head without knowing what Fangio is saying in his post-game presser, I think Bortles will get the nod on Thursday night, but no later than week five, Chad. Appreciate the super chat, Drew. And guys, <clears throat> you know, it's another disappointment. The Broncos, for the second year in a row, limp out to an 0-3 start. Only the big difference this time around, I mean, last year, yeah, you at, at 0-3, you still had Bradley Chubb. You had basically lost Jawan James in week one with that knee, but you were still mostly at full strength. I guess no Drew Locke. He was on injured reserve. But at that point, even if Drew Locke had been healthy throughout the summer, it was going to be Joe Flacco till the wheels fell off. And they did eventually fall off. But Zach, the Broncos start 0-3 for the second consecutive year. And under Fangio, it's not, you know, on one hand, you can you can find the hole in the boat in terms of the excuses. Look, Von Miller, then Cortland Sutton, then Philip Lindsay, then A.J. Bouye, then Drew Locke, and the list just keeps adding up. But at the same time, what we witnessed today, yeah, in many cases it was backups playing key positions for the Broncos uh, on both sides of the ball. But, Zach, where the team really fell short today was in preparation. I mean, this was a team that was vastly outcoached by Bruce Arians and company, and it all started with that block punt, and then it just went downhill from there. So, you know, you can you can blame injuries as, you know, the the I wouldn't say the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the first step. It was square one in this dance, and it's just broken wide open, though. Fangio's not been able to adjust and roll with those punches up to this point. You want to talk about injuries. There's one team in the NFL that's more beat up than the Broncos, and that's the 49ers. They didn't have their quarterback, their running back, their tight end, their receiver, their defensive lineman today against the Giants. They go on the road. Uh, and they win, I think it was 36 to three or 36 to six, something like that. It's coaching, Chad. Injuries are part of the game. The Broncos have been hit hard, and most coaches would struggle, especially second year coaches, but it can be overcome with proper coaching. And that starts with game preparation, it starts with game calling, game management, situational coaching. The Broncos were out prepared, they were outplayed, they were outclassed, top to bottom, Chad, for another week in a row. BNS jumping in. Appreciate the question, my friend, longtime listener of the show. He says, my priests, hear my confession. I smiled at the fact that Shelby Harris and Garrett Bowles were the best players on the field. Kind of ironic indeed. We, you got to tip your cap to Garrett Bowles, who outside of one holding penalty last week on a running play, has played like an upper top 15 left tackle through three games. Knock on wood. All right, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But it looks as if that influence that Munchak has had on him late last season has continued into this season like we hoped that it would making the Broncos almost still early but making the Broncos look like might it might not have been the best decision not picking up his fifth year options act but then Shelby Harris hey man we were happy to see Shelby get re-signed we we were just talking about it during the last quarter of the game as Zach and I were watching it together got to pay that guy like he's a he's a difference maker 
You know, I, I get it that they were able to get him back here on a one-year deal for peanuts. But Zach, if I'm that front office, I, I know you have high hopes for Draymond Jones and, you know, Demarcus Walker, though, is in a, a contract year and he's hurt. I'm figuring out a way to get Shelby Harris paid and keep him here for a few more years. Shelby Harris makes plays every single game. I have never seen a defensive lineman be better at batting passes in my life. And that includes J.J. Swat. I mean, literally every single game, whether it's a sack, pressure, tackle, uh, quarterback hurry, Shelby Harris is always in there. And it's the, the juxtaposition is that Shelby on a prove-it deal is vastly outplaying Jarrell Casey, who's been a massive disappointment through three games, Chad. I think he's making, what, would you say $12 million a year? For this season? Yeah, just shy. Casey? Like 11-4, I mean, something like that. And, and meanwhile, Shelby Harris making a fraction of that, and he's playing vastly better. So I, I was a big Shelby Harris guy. The Broncos made the right choice letting Derek Wolf walk, but they should have locked up Shelby Harris with a long-term, multi-year contract. Because he's a Bronco, probably not going to happen, but he deserves it. All right, guys, we still have so much to get to reacting to this game, including Mundungus's super chat here. We're going to get to him just one second. But first, though, we got to – Say thank you to the sponsor of today's show. Uh, the, this live stream is brought to you by sportsbetting.com, gang. Broncos country, gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. Here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans. You got the sharp odds and low juice. You got hassle-free bonuses. That means that, and it comes with a one-time rollover, that means that the bonus money is yours after you bet it one time, where other sites are going to require you to bet it five to 30 times before that happens. The kicker, though, at sportsbetting.com right now, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 500 bucks. That's not just one bet. All of your bets. Play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to that 500 bucks with a one-time rollover. So head over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. And capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to 500 bucks. Appreciate them sponsoring this live stream. All right, Zach, a couple more quick matters of business, though. We know everyone wants to get to the game. So just a quick reminder, follow the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, and follow at Mile High Huddle. If you're in a position, check out the merch store, HuddleUpPod.com, get your swag on. And then lastly, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. If you really love what we're bringing here to you on a daily basis here with these live streams and all the content, share this out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Seltzer isn't your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand that was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Coors Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. So whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Seltzer, you're volunteering. Listen, gang, our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. Through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each pack of Coors Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results? They'll blow your mind. 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., and that's just year one. And gang, there are four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. So enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Core Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and it's only 90 calories. And Zach, let me tell you, I've got my eye on that black cherry. Yeah, there's nothing better, Chad. The, the weather's turning. It's getting cooler. It's football season. Nothing better than kicking back with a course. I like the mango personally, but they're all pretty good. Nothing better, Chad. Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Seltzer. You can become a volunteer and restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, John, let's grab Mundungus. Appreciate the super chat, Thank you, Broncos bro. Wizard, and uh, congrats on your new podcast. He says, how, as a Hall of Fame quarterback, do you ignore the offensive line? So talking about John Elway. I don't even remember Elway playing without an O-line. They are kind of important, but apparently tight end is more important. Yeah, the Broncos have tight ends, of course, coming out of their ear and receivers at this, at this stage. But yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. Zach, you hit on something that is very curious. This is an interesting point. Vic Fangio is willing to make a uh, kind of permanent type change in the game. I shouldn't say permanent. Um, we'll just call it a bold change to bench the quarterback. But the right tackle who has been a sieve, a turnstile, through three consecutive games to open the season, he continues at his spot. What's it going to take? I mean, has DeMar Dotson just been sucking it up that bad in practice? I don't understand it. It's more victim blaming. It's like Fangio's comments after True Lock's injury saying he wished he would have got rid of the football sooner. How about getting a better right tackle in the game? And just to expand on this, as bad as Wilkinson is, and he's trash, the rest of the Broncos O-line, minus Garrett Bowles, which is wild to even say right now, has been awful. Cushenberry got owned today. Reisner, Chad, this is the third game in a row. Is he regressing now? Why is he regressing? Where is that Mike Munchak touch? Why is the coaching so bad across the board? What is it going to take for Wilkinson to be benched? If and Again, I'll say this. If Dotson is that bad in practice or whatever, why is he on the roster? Why not put a better right tackle so your quarterbacks aren't getting replaced? This is week three. We're on our third quarterback already, Chad. There's something wrong here, and the something is his protection, not the quarterback. It's just not, it's not befitting of a storied franchise like the Denver Broncos. Uh, Cobra Commander brings up an interesting topic that we wanted to get to tonight, and how could we not? He says, Chad, Zach, what's your take on Noah Fant's game? Three drop passes, a false start, bowled over for a sack strip. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for the for, thanks for the question, Cobra Commander. Asking ye shall receive, right? Everyone's pounding the table for Fant to get more targets, and he certainly did. He ended up with ten targets today, led the team. Judy was right behind him with nine, but both of them only hauled in five. And I agree with you. I think two of those were for sure drops. One of them I still would count as a drop, so I agree with you, Cobra. But it was high and behind him. But you got to catch that pass. So Noah Fant, you know, it's one of those things, Zach. You brought up the phrase "when it rains, it pours," right? And that's what happens to bad teams. And it, we hate telling you that at this stage, three weeks into the season, but this is a team. I mean, the first two games, they were able to keep it close. They had a chance to win both this game. They were pretty much as soon as that punt was blocked, man, it was blown wide open. And, you know, Bucks quickly took control in this case, though. Noah Fant gets what he's asking for. The fans immediately, everyone says target Noah Fant. Cortland Sutton's hurt. Jerry Judy's banged up with the ribs. Noah Fant, meanwhile, has looked like an absolute stallion feed him. Shermer does that. Driscoll does that. Ripping somewhat toward the end there, tries to target him in the end zone. And he ends up having kind of a mid-rookie season version of a game for Noah Fant. Kind of looked like the same player right in the middle of the season in that Chiefs game where he's dropping passes and all that. What do you attribute to that? Well, first of all, this is another sign of a bad football team. This was an earmark of the, the VJ days where they can't overcome one mistake whether that's a turnover, an interception, a fumble, a sack, if there's one thing that goes wrong, it, it gets the Broncos all thrown off and they just end up crumbling. They can't overcome uh, the punt block. They can't overcome the Noah fan drops. They're just not a good football team right now. And that's the bottom line. It's not neg- negativity or pessimism. It's reality. In terms of Noah fan, he was a beast the first two weeks. He's still a second-year player, young player. He's going to have bad games. Even MJ missed shots. He looked good when he had the ball in his hands. Should have caught those passes. I like the Broncos are making a concerted effort to feed Fant, but it seemed like when one thing worked for Pat Shermer today, he kept going to it over and over and over and over again. So if he caught one pass, Fant, let's feed him 10 more. It's just, that's, again, play calling and situational coaching. Fant is going to have these games, but he's been way more positive than negative through three weeks, Chad. I agree. I mean, it's it's nothing to get too worked up about at this stage. If anything, it's just a symptom of, Fant's struggles today were a symptom of a team that is pressing, right? It's a team that's already overwhelmed. And this is something that the Broncos really have to guard against. John Elway, we talked about this during the halftime stream, John Elway's observation during the dark days, the depths of the VJ, the Vance Joseph regime, that the team would take on that here we go again type of energy at the first sign of, you know, um, adversity and then drop their shoulders, eyes go to the ground and, you know, it would snowball and get out of control. That happened today. You could tell, especially the defense, man, who tried to keep this thing tight in the first half, but the offense just couldn't get things going, and it snowballed, and then pretty soon it felt like the defense had had taken on that here-we-go-again type of energy, and that's when you lose control. That's when the wheels fall off the bus. Levi jumping in with a very generous super chat. Love you, buddy. Really appreciate you. We got a t-shirt on, on the way to you, my friend. So make sure when you get that t-shirt, you reach out to us, send us a a pic, DM it to us, a selfie, or get it up on MHH Instagram and, and shout you out. He says, let's not start lock until we get our line fixed. I don't want him to end up like Josh Rosen. And that's a fair concern at this stage, Zach, with just look, Garrett Bowles, who would think, that with a guy like Graham Glasgow, a guy like Dalton Reisner, a highly touted center, rookie albeit, but a highly touted rookie center in Lloyd Cushenberry, who would think, who would have guessed 
Garrett Bowles would be the one bright spot on this offensive line three games in, Zach. I wouldn't have. I'm going to eat some crow with Garrett Bowles that he, he's been consistent and, and compared to everybody else, he's been pretty reliable. And that's all we ever wanted from Garrett Bowles. We weren't looking for a Hall of Fame or a Pro Bowl tackle. Just live up somewhat of your former first round billing and be someone the Broncos can count on. He's looked good. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those years where when he looks good, the four guys next to him look bad. And it, it's just one of those years, Chad, where, like I said, it rains and pours. Uh, the glimmer of hope is that if Bowles can at least continue this going forward, they should be able to resign him, I think, to a multi-year deal, have him back below market value, and hopefully build from this going forward. Silver linings. But, Levi, your point, though, I mean, the Broncos aren't going to have time to wait for the perfect conditions to bring Drew Locke back, although we do get your point. It's a concern. It's something that you have to worry about at this stage. But Drew Locke, look, today we saw, we, we talked about this during the halftime stream, Zach, but today we saw Jeff Driscoll, his inexperience in spades. Like he's supposed to be, you know, when you sign a veteran backup, you pay him a few million bucks and he gets some guaranteed money. He's supposed to bring some veteran wherewithal. He doesn't have that. And even though he has a, a little spark of athleticism and, you know, he made some tough throws in the Pittsburgh game, you saw that inexperience today in terms of at least four of those sacks today. It, the, this is not excusing the offensive line, but four of those sacks, because they did allow the pressure, Driscoll should have unloaded the ball. He should have got rid of it, including that safety in the second half. My yeah. goodness. Cody Potter jumping in with the $10 super. Really appreciate you, Cody. Thank you, Cody. Your consistency, my friend. A bona fide superstar in this community. He says, Driscoll has the worst pocket awareness I have ever seen from a quarterback. I don't think, I don't even think he knows he can throw it wow. away. Just bleep QB play today. I give zero blame to the O-line. I blame the QB 100. So I'm with you on that, the first half of that. And I would also concur that, as I just said, few of those sacks are on the offensive line. But Zach, that Bucks front was getting pressure consistently. Yeah. And they didn't, I mean, they blitzed a lot all game long, including during the uh, garbage time drive of Brett Rippon. They blitzed just trying to put the pressure on. But that offensive line, I'm talking interior. Obviously, Wilkinson, nothing's changed there. He's been a sieve. But how disappointing is it to see what was supposed to be the strength of your O-line, that trio from left guard to right guard, struggling like this? Sorry, I'm just watching Russell Wilson drop dime touchdown passes, and it's so you know <laughs> it's so depressing watching a real franchise quarterback at work. But anyway, uh, in terms of the offensive line, I, I want to point to where is this Munchak magic we've been hearing about, Chad? They've been actually getting worse under his watch. Garrett Bowles got better. Everyone else got worse. I just want to bring up two points. Some of it is Driscoll. Like Chad mentioned, the safety, he has to get rid of the ball. He had at least another second. But a lot of that is the offensive line being so conditioned to be under pressure, being so conditioned to run for your life. It's not having solid stability around you. And again, for anyone who wants Trevor Lawrence or Fields or any other quarterback, it won't matter if you have Joe Montana in his prime back there if you cannot keep him upright. You think Broncos country would have learned that by now after four years post-Peyton Manning. If you can't protect the quarterback, it doesn't matter who's back there. It's not going to end up pretty. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. 
Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, because the NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action, use promo code OVERTIME, and double your first deposit. New players get up to 1000 bucks in free play, which is designed to add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie, and here's the best part. Overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away 500 bucks cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. When you make your deposit, just take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. 500 bucks given away at the end of September. We got Discount Audio and Wills, DA Dub jumping in. Really appreciate the support, my friend. It's always good Thank to see you. you in the stream. He says, that was awful to watch. 0-3. If we lose to the Jets, that's a wrap for Fangio. The line is a complete mess, old and stubborn on Vic and Elway's part. Like I said last time, can't let this turn into culture. So, Zach, (laughs) it's probably still a little too early to be talking Fangio actually getting fired. But if the Broncos lose to the Jets, man. You got to have the conversation. You got to have the conversation. It feels like all bets are off, but here's the here's the savior, here's the saving grace for Fangio at this stage, Zach, is that John Elway knows that this is kind of his last, it's all or nothing with Fangio. Like he can't survive the the, the franchise uh Joe Ellis, I know it's a different ownership or ownership gap right now, but the trust led by Joe Ellis, they can't stand up there with a straight face and fire another head coach and not the GM. So that's the one thing that that might continue to give Fangio some rope, even if the wheels officially do fall off this bus and they lose to arguably the worst team in the league at this stage, which is the Jets. Yeah, I think it's inarguable. I mean, they got blown out today by the Colts. Sam Darnold threw two pick sixes. And it's funny because Adam Gase can maybe get Vic Fangio fired. And contrarily, it might be that the Broncos get Adam Gase fired if they beat the Jets at home on primetime. If they lose this game, though, which they have no business, I don't care if you're starting Brett Rippon or Blake Bortles or Jeff Driscoll or an injured Drew Locke, you have no business losing this game. Your talent is just better stack-to-stack offense and defense. So if they lose this game... 
I don't think Fangio will be fired, but if they're 0-4, losing to the worst team in football and the season spiraling, how do you at least not bring up the conversation? His seat at a minimum, Chad, should be turned all the way up. Chris Hernandez, 24-year veteran of the Air Force, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Chris. He's in for the live stream at halftime. He's here for the gut reaction. He is ride or die in this community. He says, teams are going to blitz the Broncos until proven otherwise. True. Why not call plays to help counter that? Hashtag using one of Zach's phrases here, coaching, coaching, coaching. Answer your own question. Well said. Touche. Zach, ways to beat the blitz. Uh, Bubble screens. um, You know, Run right at it. Yeah. That's one thing that I liked for what I saw from Rippon a couple of times on that final drive that he got. Excuse me, frog in my throat. Is when they did blitz, he threw into the blitz. He threw into that that zone that was vacated. You know, you can't read into anything you saw from Rippon though, because first of all, the Bucks they were bringing pressure, but on the coverage side, they were running some basically giving some big cushions. They're blitzing a lot, but giving cushions. And anytime there's a quarterback change, anytime there's a and you know the the how long this spark lasts go, is is situational, but there's always that spark. You saw it last year with Brandon Allen, who comes yes. in and beats the Browns, gets up 20 points in Minnesota, loses that. He could have gone two and zero as a starter, uh, and then it just comes off. You know, talk about wheels coming off in that Buffalo game with all the headwinds and and whatnot. But in this case with Rippon, you can't read too much into the ball being moved because you know he actually finished. Let me just run through these stats on Rippon real quick. <clears throat> his only incompletion today on that drive was the interception on fourth and one. He went eight for nine for 53 yards. And of course he ended up with a terrible rating because of that interception. But nevertheless, what do you take away from what you saw from Rippon today? I mean, he, he had good command of the offense. He was pretty much the quarterback we expected him to be. He had a little more zip on his fastball than I was expecting, Chad. But you also saw the arm strength or lack thereof come out on a few pass attempts. He's he's a prototypical number three backup quarterback, a good guy to have on the roster in case of emergency. Unfortunately, the Broncos are in emergency right now. Uh, he's not going to be the long-term starter. I'd be surprised if he started week, week four. I think it's going to be Bortles. But, you know, when we're all grasping for the, the the sign of life and for the sign of positivity with Broncos quarterbacking. We look at Brett Rippon, like you said, Brandon Allen is the perfect analogy to, to bring in here because even he wasn't great last year, but a new quarterback looking even incrementally better, you're always going to respond to that guy. And the backup quarterback, as the saying goes, is always the most popular guy in the locker. It's true. Not Connor Lehman on Twitter. Appreciate you joining the stream, my friend. Yes, pay Shelby with the money we shouldn't give to Simmons. Zach, this was something that <clears throat> you touched on during the, the halftime stream that, you know, we're talking about Shelby needs to get paid. Simmons, who had a bad game to open this season, follows it up with a solid game against Pittsburgh, then comes back and has another horrid game. Two big plays that he relinquished in coverage. What are your thoughts to this notion that maybe the Broncos were wise not to pay that big money and make Simmons one of the top paid safeties in the league? I was one of the people who was criticizing Elway, as many were, for not locking down Justin Simmons. But he wasn't playing like a $15 million per year safety today. He wasn't even playing like a $10 million per year safety. And you can argue what he's making on his franchise tag for the season, fully guaranteed, is an overpayment for his services. He's looking no better than average right now. And I wondered about this, the the morale factor of not giving him his contract, where it was right for the team and it was a good decision by the team through three games. You wonder 
wonder the toll it's taking on him mentally. If he takes more business decisions on the field, his tackling is lesser than it was last year. He looks more lost in coverage than he looked last year. He looks like, to use your word, Chad, the almost, Justin almost Simmons. He's, he's always just short. And that was his, the rap on him the first couple of years. He broke out last season. We all wanted to see, can he do it again? Through three games, not even close. Definitely. Fangio from CC on YouTube. <clears throat> Fangio has to blitz to create more pressure. Putting in Alexander Johnson on, on a blitz every so often isn't good enough when we inconsistently create pressure in the front seven. Great observation. This was something – and by the way, this was something that was discussed in the live thread open uh, live blog open thread at milehighhuddle.com to all of our audience out here enjoying this live stream with us and participating in the conversation. During the game, of course, we're going to come to you live at halftime and then after the game here with these live streams, but during the game – we want you over at milehighhuddle.com participating in the open thread. This was something that I think it was Eric Trickle pointed out on that thread. And that is that, look, it's one thing Fangio, he doesn't like to blitz, but he, going against Brady and with there being zero edge pressure from Bradley Chubb and Jeremiah Tatu, he had to throw some pressure packages. But, Zach, they were extremely uninspiring. When he threw pressure, it was simply Alexander Johnson on a delayed blitz through the A-gap, pick, yeah. a, pick one side, and that was really the only difference. And for a for a twenty plus year veteran of the NFL and six time world champion Tom Brady, it's child's play, man. It's taking candy from a baby because Alexander Johnson, as physical as he is, and he's got a you know playmaker um, DNA, but he's lumbering, man. He doesn't get there very fast. Like the play is long over by the time he could even get home unimpeded. And obviously, very rarely is a blitzer coming through the middle of a line going to be unimpeded. You know, what Fangio did in Chicago a lot was blitz Eddie Jackson. He blitzed Bryce Callahan. We haven't seen any off-the-edge blitzes, any secondary blitzes. Like the comment says from CC, it's an Alexander Johnson blitz or a Josie Jewell blitz every now and then, whereas you have Malik Reed covering Chris Godwin. You have Josie Jewell covering Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard. Again, I don't want to beat a dead horse or you know mutilate a dead horse, as the case may be, but it comes down to coaching. And Fangio would rather play off coverage and play zone and, and let his secondary win these downs when they're really not and just have the most uncreative vanilla blitzes. It all comes down to coaching. So I wonder if his – I said this at halftime. If his calling card, Vic Fangio, was defense and the defense is lackluster, what else is he bringing to the table right now as the head coach of this team? Do you feel like, as Craig jumps in here on Super Chat, thank you, Craig, Fangio has lost this team because Craig says it looks like Fangio has lost this team. Zach, how much of what we're seeing here in terms of the spirit of demoralization is simply a symptom of all of the personnel losses, the injury bug, and how much of it is just simply a natural result of what's going on now looking like it's going to be the fourth consecutive losing season Fangio hasn't been able to turn the ship around. Showed some strong signs down the stretch last year when Drew Locke entered the fray, going 4-1 and one to finish the season. But then you lose him in the second game amongst all the other personnel losses that we've already discussed. But your thoughts, has Fangio lost the belief in his locker room? I don't think he lost the team yet, but I think he's losing the team. And like I mentioned on halftime, he he has this 
old school, tough guy, you know, no BS mentality, but that only works when you're winning. And the Broncos went 7-9 last year. That's a losing record. They're starting off 0-3 this year. Their players are human beings too. Some of it is the injuries. You lose Von Miller and Cortland Sutton. That's your best player on offense and your best player on defense, arguably. Then you have uh, the Drew Locke injury. So not only the record, the injuries, everything going on this year with the virus, Chad, it was a, a morale test in general. But when you have a coach who's preaching this death by inches and you constantly lose by, by death by inches, it's yeah. going to wear on you as a player. And you're not going to just respond to it anymore. It's the same thing we saw in 2018 when the Broncos tuned Vance out. It's going to happen to Vic Fangio sooner rather than later. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. We got James Moss jumping in. Appreciate you, James, as a superstar here in the community. Uh, He says, hey, guys, sorry I didn't get back with you. I'm not on any social media, but I appreciate the shout out. Okay, cool. Saw the first series. That's all I needed to see. What Kool-Aid are the coaches drinking? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm glad on one hand it was encouraging to see that Fangio had the perceptiveness and the wherewithal to go, we're going nowhere with this quarterback here we we got another one who knows the offense has been in camp and OTAs. I know it wasn't real OTAs, but he's been learning the playbook all year under Shermer. Let's go ahead and pull the trigger and put ripping in. On one hand, you're like, Hey, nice job. I mean, especially in garbage time, you got nothing to lose. It's a, whatever it was three score game at that point. But on the other, he continues to sit on his thumbs when it comes to tweaking that right tackle position, because as much as the interior pressure was an issue today, Zach, I have to believe that if you can, solve the consistent pressure coming off that right edge, it's going to help inside as well because I think a lot of a lot of these uh, snaps in terms of the, the interior trio, they're pressing because, you know, maybe Glasgow's case, you know, he's worrying that he's got to kind of pick up some of the right. slack that Wilkinson's putting out there, et cetera. help Kush. Yes. Got you. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I think this comment by Kenneth Booker kind of sums up my, what I feel. And this is Fangio. He'd be a really good coach for a veteran team like the Buccaneers, perhaps, but for a young team with a young quarterback, he's just not it. And I, I agree with that. And his, his stubbornness, Chad, his loyalty 
to Elijah Wilkinson. He has final say on that. Elway's not in his ear saying you can't replace him. He has power over Munchak. He has power over Pat Shermer. He can make that switch. And if you'd rather replace quarterbacks, which should be your last resort, that's your final endgame move. He's done it twice now in three weeks, rather than replace the right tackle one time. It boggles the mind. I have never seen lack of accountability for one position like I've seen at right tackle through three games of 2020. Glenn, the chat stream has been so fast and furious that it jumped your, your super chat, so we're doing it the old-fashioned way. Bonafide superstar and an MHH Mount Rushmore Thank member you, of this community, Glenn. Much love to you, my friend. He says, Nick Vanette, a healthy scratch. <laughs> what was the point? Also, let's move Dalton Reisner to right tackle. He's not succeeding at guard. Maybe that would help. Hashtag MHH, hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Zach, this was something that I advocated for. What wrong one? I advocated for before the DeMar Dotson. So in between the Juwan James opt-out and the DeMar Dotson signing, I advocated for the Broncos to kick Reisner out to tackle. I know that they liked him better as a guard uh, when they drafted him and they had big plans for him at left guard. And maybe those plans will still come to fruition. It's, it's still really early for Reisner's career and for this season, but until they make that move to, to Dotson, I just don't think they're going to move Reisner over there. Now, yeah. if you, if they finally make a decision and put in Dotson at right tackle and he struggles just as bad or worse than Wilkinson, then I could see him maybe moving Reisner, but teams are really reluctant to do that on offensive lines. Munchak, you know, long time. I mean, he's a hall of fame player, been a coach in the league for longer than he was a player. They're reluctant to do that, especially for young players, Zach, because it can upset the apple cart when it comes to players' development and momentum. Yeah, but the apple cart wasn't upset by Elijah Wilkinson being in the game for three games. I just it, It's more inconsistency by the Broncos coaching staff. And at this point, considering how lackluster Reisner's looked at left guard, move him to right tackle. What's the worst that can happen? He, there's no way he's worse than Wilkinson. But the question then becomes, because they have such shallow depth, who plays left guard? You have Muti, who's not ready yet. And you can argue Cushenberry needed a year, Chad. He needed one year before starting. They threw him in there. Now you're going to throw Muti in there, who's more raw than Cushenberry? What happens if he gets hurt? It's just a cluster you-know-what right now, and it's the Broncos, you know, paying the Pied Piper for all these years, including this year, of neglecting the offensive line. To take three receivers and not take one tackle, Chad, still baffles me. You know, I really have no problem at this stage with them starting Lloyd Cushenberry because the options, first of all, you put a third-round pick on the kid, and he's SEC star, LSU, won a national title game. Like, he's going to figure it out. I don't really worry about Cushenberry, but especially the options behind him. Now, if you want to go back and say they should have kept Connor McGovern and offered him a more competitive deal to keep him around, thus negating the need to go out and draft Lloyd Cushenberry, then we can have a conversation. On Lloyd Cushenberry, though, they're basically making do with their best option. Like he's uh, even on, on a bad day and he's the last two games have been bad days for him. He's going to do a lot better for you than Austin Schlotman or Patrick Morris in my, in my opinion. Now we got superstar jumping in, not allowed here, a name that we see in the, in the super chat, Zach, time to time. Good to see you. Welcome. Appreciate you. Thank he said, how do we go from 2010 through 2015, having a great team, making the playoffs every year, getting to the Super Bowl, et cetera, to this team where we're a bottom uh, of the food chain type quarterback. Team. I would Manning. say, by the way, 2011 through 2015, but that's just picking nits. 2010 was a crap show, but nevertheless, yeah, man, it's, if you don't have a quarterback, it, all the, all the best coaches in the world outs. I mean, even Bill Belichick, all right. 
we were saying before this season started, Zach, that it's going to be really interesting to see him have to figure out, you know, whether or not he can win in this league consistently without a Tom Brady. Well, then he goes out and signs Cam Newton, you know, who was basically left on the scrap heap because teams were worried about his injury history. But they're making magic. I mean, they lambasted the Raiders today, and the Raiders have looked through the first couple of weeks like a legit team. The, the, the Patriots are going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. They're going to yeah. be in the hunt just like they always are. But in this case, you know, the, the Broncos situation, Zach, the last five years post-Super Bowl 50, it really stems down to franchise quarterback, question mark. You know, do you have one? We believe that, that Drew Locke has those traits. We believe that if he could stay healthy on the, and be on the field, he can bring that to you. He can develop those traits. But, Zach, you can't make the club from the tub, and you can't sure as heck help the team from, from the tub. Can I jump back one question, though? Can I just say that maybe the Broncos should have signed Matt Paradis? Is that crazy, Chad? You yeah. and I were looking at each other in the combine saying, why aren't they resigning him? He's been a good center, but I digress. Um, in, in terms of, uh, of the other topics, I, I just think it, it's too soon to talk about one thing or another. It, it's too soon to, to jump to conclusions at that spot, Chad. I think that's what I'm going to say about that. When it comes to the quarterback question, <clears throat> We just don't know yet on Drew Locke. What we do know right. is I mean, he can't stay healthy up to this point. But I mean, here's the two things that set the Broncos back, Chad. Okay, this is the, the two biggest errors that Elway made since 2015. That was drafting Paxton Lynch. That set them back a few years. And then hiring Vance Joseph as your head coach. If he would have made two wise decisions there instead, they would have been on the playoff track. Kyle Shanahan, quarterback or not, would have had this team in the playoffs two years ago. That's what it comes down to. Hard to argue that. We got Benji Clay jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Benji. Thank you, Benji. He says, uh, feel like we have a lot of holes, and I'm not sure if we can even afford to keep Garrett Bowles or Justin Simmons next year, let alone fix the other problems. And that, at this stage, Zach, I think is a is a fair concern in terms of we don't know what the salary cap – we know the salary cap can't go below $175, 175000000 million next year, but the Broncos' salary cap commitments – I mean, like Von Miller, for example, that's a question they're going to have to face next year, especially if he is unable or the team, maybe he, he's able to come back in December, mid-December, but the team's not competitive, competitive enough to justify putting him back on the field. What do you do? Because you got, if Bowles keeps up on this pace, you're going to have to pay Bowles. Justin Simmons, maybe he bounces back and gets back closer to the player we saw last year. It's going to be some, some tough decisions next year, but Zach, most of them, those are issues that can be mitigated if you have a bona fide franchise quarterback. Yeah. We just don't know quite yet how that's going to shake out just because Drew Locke can't stay healthy, unfortunately. And it would have been good because Locke's on his rookie contract. So you could have had him in place and you could have signed other players, even though Elway has shown an aversion to signing his own guys. It's To me, it's too soon to focus on Bulls' new deal. I will say if he plays as well as he's played the first three games, he will get a new contract, whether from the Broncos or another team. Simmons is too soon. I, he hasn't played like a number one safety. He hasn't even played like a top 10 safety, I would say, Chad. He's been really disappointing. Um, whether that leads into like a hometown discount or a prove-it deal, I don't know yet, but I think it's too premature to talk about contracts in week three going into week four. A lot of fish left to fry this year, my friend. Good or bad. Indeed. All right, let's grab John, big John Mortensen, over-the-road truck driver and superstar. When he can be in the stream, he's in the stream, and he's always showing love. Much appreciated, Thank you, John. John. He says, I do blame the O-line. They sucked, meaning that you, you know you can't just blame the quarterback. The quarterback did take a few unnecessary sacks, but the pressure was there regardless of the sacks. That's where the O-line comes into play, Zach. 
Yeah, I, the O-line is, again, it doesn't matter if it's if it's Driscoll, Locke, Rippin, doesn't matter who's back there if you can't protect him. And it seems like on every single drop back, there's four out of five culprits other than Garrett Bowles. And when that happens, you're going to see the same old repeating mistakes. It's been the same story, Chad, since Peyton hung up his cleats. They can't protect the quarterback. When they have a quarterback, uh, you know, he doesn't do well. It's just the story of the Broncos' half decade. Let's grab Craig Patterson as well, jumping back in. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. He says, I would take a Joe Montana right now. He stopped a kidnapping today. Yeah, he did. He did? Yeah, his granddaughter, I believe, or his grandson, um, him and his uh, his wife, I believe, oh, they, wow. they thwarted a kidna- kidnapping attempt. Yeah, really Jesus happened. Christ. This is a super. This is a superhero, let alone a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Joe we cool. feel you, though, my friend. Here's a, here's a good question from Mike Evans, a cornerstone member of our community, every stream. Thank you. Thank you, John. Jumping in. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. He says, uh, please give our offense, special teams, and defense letter grades. Appreciate y'all. All All right, Zach, I'll start. What what grade do you give the offense? For today or through three games? For today. The offense, to me, gets a D-, minus, only because Gordon ran fairly well and Patrick made a few plays. Special teams? McManus had the field goal. Again, I would say a D- D minus for the safety. And how about the defense who had some strong moments but couldn't take the ball away and, and I think only finished one sack, the Shelby sack, I think. I mean, Chubb yeah. got close, ended up being a one-yard gain for Brady, but uh, you're, you're great on the defense. I would say like C minus. I think that's pretty fair. They have to, you know, Ocean Moody had problems tackling. Simmons got beat a few times. And uh, Jarrell Casey, he's been, Chad, we talked about it, one of the biggest disappointments of this season. He was invisible for another game today. So I'm going to say C, C minus for the defense. I'm going to give the offense a D minus. The only reason it's not a full F is because at least Pat Shermer got the memo, feed the ball to Noah Fant. And also he's feeding the ball to, to Jerry Judy. The quarterback just couldn't deliver as on point as you'd like to see. And then, of course, Fant had the drops. But I don't recall seeing a Jerry Judy drop this time around. So mm. tender mercies of, from the football gods in that sense. And then Zach, as far as the special teams, for me, it's an F. That that miss that block punt they allowed in the first quarter completely changed the game and allowed that spirit of here we go again to creep in. And right. they just couldn't shake it today. And then the defense, I'm going to give them a C minus because you know they they fought hard initially, and in the second half when the offense and the special teams overall those two phases kept stepping on their you know what's finally the defense was like you know screw this basically. So that's my letter grades for you, Mike, on those three phases. And then uh, can we go ahead? Can Zach? we just do a, a, a census count as to raise your hand if you think Tom McMahon should be fired? If you should have been thrown out with Scangarello last year, raise your hand right now. Let me just <laughs> give me something. Just, just give us an I. Just give us a yay or nay in the chat stream. Wire um, in. Oh, wrong one there. Hold on. We just got Mike. Where'd uh, I just put Trevor in? Where'd Trevor go? There he is. Bear with me one sec. There he is. All right. Trevor, appreciate you, Trevor. Make sure if you're one of our uh, newer superstars, you reach out and connect with Zach and I on Twitter so we can shout you out after each episode. Trevor says, hey, fellas, catching the live. Good to have you, bud. I bet Blake Bortles starts week four. I don't know if it helps, but we need something, some sort of a spark. Look, we all know there's a reason Bortles went unsigned all the way till the season started. He's not a world beater. He's, He's in the plus in terms of his career touchdown to interception ratio. But the one thing that he does have, Zach, that you can't deny, is he does have a little veteran wherewithal. He's he played a lot of games for the Jags over those years, and you know last year he's, he was on the bench for for the Rams. But 
he has a lot of experience. And I can't help but think that today, okay, if you had a, a, a more experienced quarterback, I would say at least half of those sacks don't happen. They're either throwaways or something a little bit more favorable. Maybe an actual completion occurs on some of those plays. The ball goes out to the hot read or he recognizes the pressure. Again, you saw a couple of plays today from Driscoll where he completely misses an obvious rusher that's going to be coming on a blitz and just misses it pre-snap. So that's the one silver lining I would have in, in terms of hope for, for Blake Bortles is, Zach, he's not a world beater, but at least he's got some experience, and that should be something in the plus column for him. I think, Chad, you and I might agree to disagree, kind of like uh, Joe Flacco. I just, if we're rationalizing and looking for the silver lining of Blake Bortles and it's week four, I just, again, I wonder where this season went. He's not going to be the savior. And if you watch one of his highlights, he threw the ball into his own lineman's helmet. I mean, he's still prone to the occasional butt fumble as they were. So, yeah, he has more veteran wherewithal. He can probably give the Broncos a better on paper chance against the Jets. But again, if they can't beat the Jets, quarterback or not, Chad, with this talent they have and the on-paper coaching they have, something is seriously wrong with this franchise. I, I really do think no matter who the quarterback is, unless it's Driscoll, I should say, I think the Broncos are going to win the game in New York, but I still think back to that 2018 game. Uh, granted, it was Case Keenum and it was a, a, quite a different supporting cast, but we didn't foresee the Broncos getting – I mean, talk about being thunder punched. They were thunder punched in that game. Robbie Anderson going off and Sam Darnold looking mm. like a stud. Isaiah jumping in. Appreciate you, dog. Thank you. This is hard to watch. Same mistakes over and over. Is it coaching, players, game plans, whatever it is, needs to be addressed or we need change. And again, Zach, as your football priests, we are here to at times also help you exercise the demons. And that's, I think, one of the you know, it's one of the benefits of these gut reaction podcasts and probably every stream that we do seven nights a week here at Mile High Huddle from 7 p.m. or from 6 p.m. Mountain to 7 p.m. Mountain is help you get these things off your chest. But Zach, there's nothing we can say here in this super chat from Isaiah that is that, that we can refute. It's all true. There are existential questions that we simply don't have an answer for. And the answer is all the above. I mean, it's it's all of those factors combining. But what stands out the most is the coaching and the game plans fall under coaching and the management falls under coaching and the play calling falls under coaching. If those things were cleaned up, even with a Driscoll or Bortles, a quarterback, the Broncos would at least be one and two right now. It's it, it's always the little final factor. You mentioned Belichick, Chad. He took a broken down Cam Newton, who looks like one of the MVP front runners right now. It's coaching. Josh McDaniels, say what you want about him in New England. He's a prodigy there. Bill Belichick, say what you want about him. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. He can make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. And if the Broncos had a coach like that, Chad, they'd be a lot more better off, I think. At this stage, absolutely. Now, McDaniels has never been able to thrive outside of the uh, – you know, oasis that is Belichick, but you're right, man. They have a, they just have a chemistry together that is yep. undeniable. Glenn says highlight for me today was my fantasy football opponent, opponent, starting <laughs> Cortland Sutton. Can you imagine? All right, there you go. KP in the house out in Florida, jumping in. Appreciate you, you, my Kevin. friend. How about a corner blitz every once in a while? Not a fan of Vic's defense or calls. Zach, they've been very stingy against the run in terms of, you know, the one thing you got to give to Fangio Today, in, there was the one deep dagger that Simmons gave up, 40-something yard gain. And then last week in Pittsburgh, there was the deep shot that Ojemudia gave up. 
But one thing I'll give Fangio's defense, and at this stage when you're 0-3, it's nothing to write home about, is that they do force defenses or offenses to basically nickel and dime down the field. Very rarely do they give up the big play. They stop the run. But the problem is it doesn't matter, Zach, how good you are on first and second down, limiting the run. On third down, if you can't bring pressure and you're constantly playing uh, basically playing coverage in zones that allow the offense and the quarterback to anticipate what you're going to do, you know, they just end up marching up and down the field. And Victor here on Facebook says, this is my first time watching and listening. Oh, Welcome, Victor. Cool. Appreciate you, my doc. And, uh, you know, Fangio does. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Need to mix it up, but at the same time, you know, we were talking about this earlier today, Zach, as we were watching the fourth quarter of, of Broncos Bucks, and Alden Smith is going off for the Cowboys. You know, the Broncos had a chance to sign him a long time ago, and I know it was considered. The Broncos did consider doing it. And you think, well, it's hard to blame them for passing on Alden because you had Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming back. But, Zach, Von Miller at age 31, Bradley Chubb coming back from a, a grievous knee injury that cost him almost all of his previous season, you should have provided more insurance for Edge because Malik Reed. I mean, I'm hoping, Zach, this is the game that Elway realizes – we need reinforcements like Chicolo. He's not the answer to, to giving you that edge pressure. Go, go just give a chunk of money to Clay Matthews or T sizzle. Find out what it's going to take to get him suited up because it's going to be better than what you have now. Was I the only one who saw Chicolo in coverage? And I was like, who the hell is that guy? The, the poor, yeah. The poor man's Clay Matthews, the great value Clay Matthews. It's it's not going to work with Malik Reed. I had high hopes for him or Jerry Attachu, who they brought back. They are definitely missing Von Miller's prowess. And combined with that, Bradley Chubb isn't hundred percent yet. But in terms of what you said about nickel and dime in the defense, Chad, if it's still, you know, if it's death by a thousand paper cuts, it's still death. And that's what happened to the Broncos' defense. It's literally death by inches. They always give up a score in crunch time. They're always giving up that crucial uh, third down. They're always getting the ball moved on them when it, it, they shouldn't. So that was Vic Fangio's calling card was this, this steel curtain defense in Chicago, and rightly so it was. Where has this been in Denver? I know the personnel hasn't been there. He lost Chubb and he lost Vaughn this year. But when, when crunch time happens, Chad, the defense always breaks down. And that, to me, again, is a sign of coaching. 
Okay. Um, sorry, I was just trying. I'm trying to keep up with all the super chats. As you guys know, on this show, we do not leave a single superstar out in the cold. We'll stay late. We'll go long. So long as we get each and every superstar who is supporting the show and wants to get something, a question answered or something off their chest. In this case, we got Tom El Greco jumping in up in Canada, north of the 49th parallel. This is another guy, Zach, that exemplifies the hashtag state of being. Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. Tom says, pathetic, pathetic. Even if Drew is healthy, still wouldn't play him. That O-line, wow, any quarterback is at risk. Zach, I get what there's – this is the second comment we've had to this effect today, and I get that, but look, beggars can't be choosers. (laughs) You're telling me that if you had a healthy Drew Locke, you're not going to play him right now? You have to. Look at what you're doing at the quarterback. You're rotating through – all right, what is Jeff Driscoll? Third, fourth team that he's been on, former mid-round pick, hasn't been able to get traction anywhere. Um, Then you have – you play an undrafted rookie or a a quarterback one year removed from being undrafted – and then Blake Bortles signed off the scrap heap. If you have Drew Locke healthy, I know it's ideal, but football never provides you perfect ideal conditions. The Broncos can't afford or wouldn't be able to afford not playing Drew Locke. So at this stage, my advice to every Broncos fan is just do everything right, build up some good karma so that the football gods can get Drew Locke back in the lineup sooner than later. Especially if it was like a must-win game like it was today because historically 0-3 teams do not make the playoffs. It's like a, a minuscule chance. They had to win today's game even with the Jets upcoming. Yeah, if Locke was healthy, you, you throw him out there or mostly healthy. Unfortunately, he wasn't, and the offensive line got another quarterback replaced. So the Broncos don't believe in cutting off the root of the problem. They want to explore the, the effects of the problem, and that's going to be the Elway way, it seems like. He, he'd rather uh, vilify the quarterbacks who are the ones getting abused and not the ones letting up the abuse like the offensive linemen. It, it's maddening. It's frustrating. But Chad and I don't know why things are the way they are. This uh, point here from Alex. <clears throat> Appreciate the, the comment, Alex. This team lacks in so many areas. The O-line is an absolute atrocity. Although we have injuries, there are a lot of – there are lots – there are not, I'm guessing he's saying, really any players who can step in and be impact guys. We have to admit that we're a bad team. Zach, the injury bug, here's where I'm going to pick a bone here with Alex, is the coaching has been lackluster. I think the, the only reason the Broncos were able to contend in those first two games is because there is some talent on this team, right? The quarterback is the issue. If you don't have a quarterback, it really doesn't matter. Unless you have Bill Belichick as your head coach, maybe. Then you can, you know, perhaps win a few more than you lose or but Shanahan it, or maybe yes right Kyle Shanahan who is an offensive genius quarterback guru but again until you have a quarterback it's going to make everything else it all trickles downhill and it's going to make everything else look worse than it is the Broncos have talent gang. they I mean even today Noah Fant Jerry Judy KJ Hamler Melvin Gordon Tim Patrick had himself a solid game today there are players on offense yes the offensive line is beleaguered but they're also not helped by a basically mute quarterback who has zero pocket awareness, holds on to the ball. I mean, again, for me, Zach, as much as we have to point the finger at coaching at this stage, the biggest and, and the injury bug, the biggest factor here is quarterback, and that ties back to injury. But that's why I think that if you do get Drew Locke back at a decent point in this season in terms of you know, if you can get him back week five maybe, or week six at the latest, I still think this team could have enough. There's enough talent there for this team to potentially 
ride a spark of getting Drew Locke back into kind of getting back into the conversation. It's probably going to be too late going 0-3 to really make a push for the playoffs. But the one silver lining, Zach, is that there's seven teams getting in the playoffs this year instead of six. You know what? It's the age-old question, chicken or the egg. You know, where do the Broncos go? I mean, they do they get the young quarterback and they can't protect them, or they they don't have a quarterback, but they have a good O-line. And they, it's been a combination of things throughout the years. Um, I, I will say, though, that if anything, we have to see Locke for his development. The Broncos have to know after this season whether he can be the guy or whether 2021 should be geared about focusing on finding a quarterback. And that's what we have to know. Unfortunately, if they throw Locke out there with the same offensive line, the, the, the same result is going to happen. He's going to either run for his life and be Josh Rosen or end up on the trainer's table with an injury. But, you know, if, if Juwan James, you can argue, really set this thing in motion, Chad. They, they never recovered from his opt-out. It's just you can argue that he was the, the bane of the Broncos yeah. season. He was the catalyst, right, in a negative yeah. way. Uh, Cody Potter jumping back in. Appreciate you, dog. Is, is it bad that Rippin commanded the offense better than any quarterback since Peyton? What are the odds Locke and Lindsey play Thursday? Gordon didn't look good. Um, I, wouldn't, I, I, would, I, I get that you're being, um, you know, you are exaggerating to, for emphasis here, Cody. But I, I can, just Drew Locke, I can think of a couple of games last year where he looked better than what anything we saw today, including that Houston game. But your point remains the same. You know, Rippin did show better command. And what's ironic is that, you know, both he and Driscoll have been in this offense the exact same amount of time. But I don't think the Broncos can, can start ripping with a straight face next week. On the road, in conference, East Coast game, if you're going to go with a, a quarterback not named Driscoll, Zach, it has to be Blake Bortles, in my opinion. Uh, let's grab this one also from uh, Jess Sports. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Really just consistent. He says, our team is no bueno. I can't even get mad. Shake my head. Zach, if you were to, I mean, Blake Bortles, what do you see happening on Thursday? I think both of us agree that it's going to be Bortles, but what kind of performance do you, would you expect to see for a, a Blake Bortles, who by that point will be basically about a week into, I mean, by the time he got through all of his virus testing to get into the building and get signed, I want to say Wednesday he was out on practice for the first time last week. So then you get Thursday's the game. So barely over a week that he's been with the team. What would you expect to see knowing what you know about Blake Bortles? Well, I read on Twitter that Fangio said the decision will come fast for Thursday night. So whether that means Ribbon or Bortles, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, they might not have to do anything for this game. They might have to just let Sam Darnold, you know, self-destruct and score points off defense and uh, and turnovers and capitalize there. But if Boros were to play, I think he can move the ball incrementally better, marginally better. I think it's a big game for Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay if he plays in this game, which he has a good chance to. Um, I expect a Broncos win. It's not saying much against the Jets, but they should at least be able to put points on the board against this New York defense with Bortles in the lineup. Fangio's, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Fangio said earlier, I guess last week now, because Sunday's morning in a new week, he said last week that he expects – even though it's a short week turnaround, he does. He's ho- he's more hopeful that Lindsay will be able to go Thursday night. So I think there's a really good shot that Lindsay comes back. But before everyone gets their hopes up, just remember that turf toe is just a nagger. It's one of those things that just when guys think that they're past it and they're recovered, you know, they they plant and pop it one way and it flares back up. So just you know, keep your fingers crossed that he can keep that at bay. Black Knight two thirty two jumping in, bona fide superstar. Good to Thank see you, bro. So who's Head, are we sticking in the guillotine? 
Also, did we screw up by not drafting an offensive tackle in last year's draft? Yes. Zach, we talked about that. I want to say it was during the halftime stream. The fact that, you know, probably would have been smarter from a team building perspective to go with the next available best tackle in the second round there instead of stacking another wide receiver in terms of KJ Hamler. But the flip side to that coin, just playing devil's advocate against my own view here, is yes, you need tackle at this stage, but you also need help at wide receiver with Cortland Sutton being on. Like it's handy right now to have Hamler in the offense. And if you had a more competent quarterback, I think you could see better utilization of his skill set. talking about Hamler. But yes, Zach and I were very critical of the Hamler move when it was the draft uh, in the second round. We never did uh, diss the player. We like Hamler. It's just that we felt like, you know, with the, with the Garrett Bowles option, not getting picked up and Juwan James missing all of that year and, they just needed to hedge, and it would have come in handy as well. I, I don't know how you don't draft one, and it's especially painful because it seems like every rookie tackle, one of which the Broncos face today in Tristan Wirfs, every rookie tackle is looking good. Thomas in New York, um, Becton in New York with the Jets, uh, Thomas with the Giants. I mean, every rookie tackle this year is playing above their head, and the Broncos could have had one. I understand I, the logic of going receiver back-to-back, but you can't ignore the offensive line for the same reasons that are playing out this season. All right, John, do you have our friend Black Knight jumped in with a back-to-back super? If you can grab it. If not, I'll get him on the next one here. I can reverse engineer it. Um, Hold on. The producer's sending a message to me. i got to read this real quick. All right, let me just reverse engineer this and grab Black Knight 232. His question, and then I'll put it on the screen, Zach, is also do we start a fire sale when the trade deadline comes? You think that they're the Broncos are at a stage where they need to just shed salary cap and try and stack some who draft though? picks? I I mean, what assets do they have? Maybe Jarrell Casey. I mean, who who else would they trade that has value? I think there's a lot of guys that would would have value. It just would depend on your return, and would that return be worthy of worthy of making such a move in the middle of a season? I don't see who they would trade that's not a starter that has value that would get back a comparable pick. You know, that's worth trading. Jerome Casey, um, who else? Tim Patrick on offense. I don't think it's worth gutting the team. They don't have any, you know, must-sell assets. So I wouldn't expect the Broncos to be traders. That would also imply that they're giving up or tanking. I don't see Elway, you know, being so prideful, admitting that publicly with, with those moves. Especially with how much positivity the, the organization has had with Drew Locke and for Drew Locke. If you make those moves, as Zach said, you're telegraphing a tank, and that would all, that would be admitting basically that you're giving up on Drew Locke. And I just don't think, as bad as things are right now, being 0-3, I just don't think that's something Elway is ready to do, anywhere close to being ready to do. Uh, Nate Dizzle jumping in. Appreciate you on Super Chat, my friend. Thank you, Nate. He says, hey, guys, love the work you do. Appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, John's got the real Super Chat. Thank you. Um, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but let's recap. We lost Locke, Sutton, Lindsey, Vaughn. Bouye, Sternad, Barron, et cetera. Can we put uh, this all on coaching? Agree or disagree? Zach, I definitely don't put it all on coaching. Like the injury bug here is, has played a significant – like yes. if, if you were to look at, you know, the, the blame for this 0-3 as a pie chart, I would put – honestly, I would put the injury bug at sharing half of that blame. But the other half is two things, coaching and not having a better contingency – uh, at quarterback, a better backup plan at quarterback. 
why are we lumping in Sternod and uh, Mark Barron, who was a terrible signing, by the way, and I said that as soon as they signed him. Why are we lumping them and with the Cortland Suttons and the Drew Locks of the world? It sucks losing your quarterback and your best Hall of Fame pass rusher and your best receiver. The injury bug has uh, played a part for sure. I can't sit here and deny that. But you can't sit here and deny they should have won week one, Chad. That coaching gaffe, the time management, the play calling, even the game last week against the Steelers, they could have been 2-1 and one right now. So they had enough talent on the field. The difference was the coaching and the play calling. That's what it comes down to. All right, Rick James jumping in to say, make the Broncos great again. We feel you, my friend. We feel you. One day. Yeah, man, they, I'm just – look. We can all sit here and, you know, say I'm taking my ball and going home to heck with it. But really, if the Broncos get Drew Locke back, I, at a decent point in the season, I still think there's a chance to turn this into a respectable year. Now, we already know that the odds are stacked against them at 0-3 of making the playoffs, even though that seventh spot that opens up in the conference for the playoffs does improve the odds slightly. By virtue of starting 0-3, man, you got the deck stacked against you, Zach. Yeah. But I think Drew Locke coming back, if provided he stays healthy, of course, I think you can not only make this a respectable season, but I think you can find out a lot more about what you really have in this team, right. what you have in your coaching staff, including Fangio, including Shermer. So that's the one thing I think fans really need to focus on is just you got to get your quarterback back in the lineup. And then the next thing, it's a little bit more short term and comes before that, Zach, is if you lose, you cannot lose to the Jets. You And it's nationally televised Thursday night game. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care how many goats you have to sacrifice to the football <laughs> gods, Zach. I don't care, you know, what you got to do to make Blake Bortles a respectable, highly competent quarterback. You got to figure out how to get it done. That's the that's the make or break for this team. That's the game to me where the do the wheels fall off. They haven't they're they're starting to kind of wobble on the on the <laughs> axis right now, but they haven't fallen off the bus yet. You lose in, to the Jets, yeah. boom, it falls off. Bus careens off into a ditch. Bad news. <laughs> yeah, everyone blows up and dies. Yeah, it's uh, they lose to the Jets. The uh, the season's obviously over mathematically for the playoffs, but the the player morale they'd be totally checked out. Uh, they would be giving up. They would be you know subtly tanking to make the Broncos great again. Chad, I think you nailed it. Uh, you know, I was one, and Chad was one who predicted playoffs this year. I thought I thought a, a ten and six record could be well within the Broncos' cards. Realistically, now they're zero and three. They don't have a quarterback until week seven at the earliest. It's not going to be a playoff year, more than likely. Okay. The number one question in that scenario becomes Do we have our franchise quarterback? Is Locke the guy? That is priority and question number one. They have to answer that. After that, failing that, it, it, here's this and here's everything else. Do I have the players? Do I have the backups? Do I have the coaching? So this is a year of inward reflection and development. And we've been saying this, it seems like, every year since 2015, but that's the case. It's all about development now and answering internal questions about your team and, unfortunately, gearing up for next season and beyond. You know, the big thing, too, is, as I said, the pie chart in terms of how you assign blame for this 0-3 start, the aspect of they should have had a better contingency at quarterback than Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon. Well, wouldn't have mattered. You know what, Zach? The Broncos wanted this to be Drew Locke's team. They didn't want there to be any question at the quarterback position bringing in even an Andy Dalton. At one point, Andy Dalton had about a three- or four-year window in Cincinnati where he was viewed as a franchise-caliber guy. Yep. And it ended up coming apart at the seams, and you know we know what happened there in Cincy. But even an Andy Dalton, definitely a Cam Newton, 
definitely a Teddy Bridgewater. All the known names, you would have risked that balance in the locker room. And now all you're looking back with perfect 2020 vision because you have the benefit of that. I don't necessarily blame the Broncos for not going out and getting a Cam Newton, as I see some of the questions here or comments and whatnot. But they could have found even Blake Bortles. Go get Blake Bortles in March. Go get Blake Bortles in April or May and let him soak up this offense so that you have a competent backup for if and when Drew Locke goes down. Jeff Driscoll wasn't at Smith Corona jumping in. Appreciate you, dog. Thank you, Smith. Does Fangio have much influence on the offense? Most of the time, it just feels like he's our defensive coordinator and not really a head coach. Kind of feels like no one knows who's in charge. That last point, yes, it kind of does feel like no one knows who's uh, in charge. Zach, Fangio has next to zero influence on the offense from what I know, okay, with the exception of key moments, he might say, you know, like last year, week 13 against the Chargers, it's all tied up, and Rich Gangarello, what was it, under two minutes, Broncos get the ball back after the Chargers had just tied it. Rich Gangarello wants to nail on the ball and take it to overtime and just hedge and play conservative. Fangio steps in on the headset and says, no, let's take a shot, see if we can get a connection or pass interference. Ends up working. They get P.I. on Sutton, kick a field goal, get off the game. Drew Locke gets his first win. Situations like that, and today, for example, the decision to bench Driscoll, that came from Big Fangio. Now, it might not have been his idea. Like, he might have had – Mike Shula, the quarterback's coach, might have had Shermer saying, hey, man, let's make a change. But it was his decision ultimately to rip that Band-Aid off, Zach. So in terms of design, in terms of game planning, I'm sure he has a little bit of influence on the game plan. But in terms of the play calling in-game and strategization, I don't think he has very much control. And that's the way he wants it, which gets back to it kind of feels like no one knows who's in charge. Exactly. It doesn't seem like one hand knows what the other is doing. And they have no identity as a team, Chad. Are they a defensive team, offensive team, ground and pound team, aerial team? Obviously, they're not that, but they have no identity. And that starts, again, with the head coach. He stands around the sidelines, and the team takes the, the, the complexity of their head coach. And he stands there mostly emotionless. He doesn't really fire his defense up. doesn't really talk to them or the offense. He's just kind of there. And I think he ceded all of power to Pat Shermer and Mike Munchak two former head coaches. He can say to himself, listen, you guys do your thing. I trust you. I'm going to go focus on defense. That's not the job description. You're the head coach. You are the head coach of all three sides of the ball. You are responsible for all three sides of the ball. When you win, you get the praise. When you lose, you get the criticism. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, he's a defensive guy. He's All he's known is defense for 40 years now. But if he wants to be a head coach in the NFL, and it's questionable that he ever did, Chad, um, he has to learn a little more offense and step in there and make executive decisions like like yanking your awful, god-awful right tackle who got your potential franchise quarterback injured. That would be step number one in the coaching handbook. All right, we got a super chat coming in from Truce the Poet, who brings up an old topic that is still kind of a tender topic on the in the on the hearts of some Broncos fans. Appreciate the super chat, by the way, Truce. We should have kept Kyle Sloter at the time. That's so many quarterback changes in the past that should, – Should have done a lot of things. I mean, he was the practice squad guy, like really up to this point still. I mean, I can pull – I haven't been following him closely. But that's not a franchise destiny-altering decision in my opinion. No, he he was a, a decent developmental prospect who looked good in the preseason, and he was a lot like Chad Kelly. But as you've seen, you know – 
franchise quarterbacks get their shot. If you're a good quarterback in the NFL, you'll get your shot to be. And so far, Kyle Slaughter hasn't. So that says a lot about him as well. He was always one of those fan favorites who never really panned out. And no one would be talking about him if the Broncos had a quarterback that was playing well. It was supposed to be Drew Locke. It's unfortunate. All right, let's grab this super from David, and then I just want to go through a couple of stats from today, and then uh, we'll see what else is left on the superstars. We're over an hour, so we'll keep this last little segment brief. But David jumping in, really appreciate you, my Thank friend. You, David. superstar, very generous, and your support goes a long way. Believe me when I say that. He says, Zach, I hate to disagree with you, but I don't see us getting very many wins. I think we are in the top five of the draft at least. I saw a team today who didn't have leadership and looked like they don't care. Well, for what it's worth, David, we had some high hopes for this team win-wise before Drew Locke got hurt and the avalanche of injuries began. But if they can make this even a 500 season this year and improve 8-8 and over 7-9 and last year, I mean, that would be a massive win for Vic Fangio. It doesn't really move the needle for the franchise, but it would be a – quite the turnaround for how badly things have gotten started up to this point. Uh, David, I don't know what you're disagreeing with. Uh, Maybe my tweet about the Broncos not getting the number one overall pick, and I still don't think they will. I mean, they're not going to be a 2-14 and team. They may be five or six wins, maybe seven, but not 2-14. and Yeah, I expect as at this rate to finish in the top 10 in drafting, but nowhere near the range of what it would take to either draft Trevor Lawrence or trade up for Trevor Lawrence. That's my thing. All right, Zach, just a few stats real quick that I want to go through. Because even, I mean, literally, I went from live blogging the game and Zach and I watching it together to straight into this chat. We've missed all of the media availability after the game because we love you guys that much. But I just want to go through some of these stats here real quick. So Melvin Gordon, he did run hard today. He ran hard, but it didn't add up to much because he only got eight carries. All right, I get it, Zach. The Broncos were down pretty early, but – this is going back to a first-half criticism that I had when we had the, the halftime stream that persisted through the game. You only rushed the ball with your $16 million running back eight times for 26 yards. Jeff Driscoll carried the ball three times on scrambles for 14 yards. Uh, Royce Freeman, two carries for four yards. As it relates to the passing attack, Zach, Jeff Driscoll finished 17 of 30 for 176 yards, touchdown a pick, QB rating of 71, and then, again, as I mentioned earlier, Rippon went 8 for 9, 53 yards, uh, one pick. And then receiving, you know, a lot of targets. Look at all those targets, 9 to Judy, 10 to Fant, 4 to Patrick, 2 to Freeman, 5 to Hamler, 6 to Gordon, which only added up to 12 yards on four catches. Zach, I get it. You got a lot of receiving weapons. But this tells me that the, you know, Vic Fangio likes to sit up there and talk about, for example, that uh, balance offensively. And he says, look, it's not just about – run pass balance it's what type of runs are you doing what type of passes are you doing and that's great because it breaks it down to multiple levels of analysis and you can really get nerdy on that but the simple truth is you paid 16 million bucks for for melvin gordon and for those first two games it looked like hey man we're getting our money's worth out of gordon and then you only give him the ball eight times today on on the ground This is something where it feels like the game got a little bit away from Pat Shermer. And I understand that there was a couple of score margin, but that couple of score margin, Zach, you know, they weren't getting anywhere with the passing game. Like try doing something with the running game to at least make your opponent feel like, you know, they're not 100% sure what's coming next. Instead, we get a lot of three and four wide, a few empties, uh, shotgun, pretty much through the entire game. 
Uh, that was my thing as well. I mean, Fangio can't even blame game script or game flow because it was a two-possession game at most for most of the, the second half, chatting into the fourth quarter. So to give up on the run when Gordon average, I don't see his average on the screen, but he he ran hard. He, he was, again, and I'll crow on Melvin Gordon as well. I thought he was overpaid. He's he's played hard. He's not been perfect, but he's running hard. To not take some pressure and try to establish the run off the bat for your young quarterback and an ailing offense, again, it's coaching. And Pat Shermer's play calling has been uninspiring, uh, uncreative, vanilla, ordinary, predictable. It's run, pass, pass, three and out punt. Rinse and repeat. And for a guy who's been a coordinator so many different stops, and is the supposed quarterback guru. You think he'd have a better feel for play calling, Chad? This is again, though. You and I kind of looked at each other when they fired Scangarello and they brought in Pat Shermer. Most of Broncos country lauded Shermer's achievements, but there's a reason why two of the worst franchises in the NFL, the Browns and the Giants, got rid of him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think he's. I'm not giving up on Shermer quite yet. I just think that he's been handed a raw, raw, raw deal here. I'm going to make more of an evaluation. I'm not going to jump to a conclusion on Shermer until he gets his quarterback back. However, Shermer has a history of making lemonade here with some lemons with a backup quarterback. 2017 Minnesota Vikings is all about Sam Bradford. He goes down, whatever that was, Zach, week one or week two. I don't recall now off the top of my head. But then they have to go with Case Keenum, who they never commit to uh, on a week-to-week basis. He's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants. Shermer wins assistant uh, coach of the year from the AP, goes on to get his next head coaching gig. He rolled with the punches, and there are a lot of similarities with that team to the Broncos in terms of defensive-minded head coach, a lot of talent offensively, not a great offensive line, some talent at running back. And they just, this time though, I don't know what it is, what the what the missing ingredient is. Maybe Keenum is better. I guess he is better than any quarterback, of course, the Broncos have behind Drew Locke at this point. But nevertheless, I can't jump to a conclusion yet on Shermer. But I will tell you, I concur with Zach that I've been disappointed in him up to this point. I mean, he had his quarterback in week one, and he calls a fourth down shovel to a tight end. So I can't put that on on the quarterback. Real quick, Cody Potter jumping back in. <clears throat> Appreciate you, my friend. He says, Drew Locke is 4-1 and one, coming off injury. Maybe this is strategy from Fangio keeping 68 in. Get Locke back, go on a run, make the playoffs, LOL. And now, now we're definitely uh, reaching in that sense. Cody, appreciate you, dog. Um, all right, a couple other things I want to get to, and then we'll uh, bounce out of here. In uh, the defensive box score, Zach, you got Justin Simmons leading the team with eight tackles, seven of them solo. Jewel Jackson round out the top three, I guess, yeah, round the top three. That's the story here in the defensive box score, <clears throat> Shelby Harris had a, uh, at least one tip pass on third down, and he got himself a couple of sacks. So – Shelby Harris definitely defensively has to be your MVP oh, of this yeah. game. Oh, yeah. He was all over the place. And, again, he made his case for, I believe, a multi-year contract. He's, every single game he comes out and plays, Chad, he always bats balls down and gets after the quarterback. He is one guy, win or lose, thick or thin, he's always playing hard and he's always performing well. So, big Shelby Harris fan. All right, just a few quick team stats. Third down, let's see how this shakes out. Tom Brady got to 50%, 8 for 16. The Broncos? Five for 15. They moved the chains five times on third down uh, on 14 attempts, 36% conversion rate. You can't win in the league that way. Uh, it goes without saying. Fourth down, doesn't really matter. Bucks one for one, Broncos 0 for one. Uh, in the red zone, the Broncos went one for two. 
The Bucks went three for four, 75% versus 50. Total yards, the Bucks ended up with 353. And Zach, I'll be honest with you, it felt like more than that watching the game just yeah. you know live the first go around. Broncos could only manage and muster 226 total yards at home. Granted, it's a fraction of the fan base, but you had fans yeah. in the stands. That's pathetic, get, Chad. I'm it sorry. is pathetic, and I get why they made the quarterback change. But uh, hopefully Blake Bortles can do better that better than that on the road next week against the Jets. It's just, you know, Dak Prescott had, had almost 500 passing yards today. He threw for 450 last week. It's just you watch these other quarterbacks, other offenses. Even Joe Burrow today, Chad, was was making plays against the Eagles. He, they had a tie game there. Kyler Murray's looking good in his second year. I mean, it's so frustrating now. We're at another year where we're talking about a team that has 220 yards of total offense against a non-elite defense at home in a must-win game. I'm just so sick of the slagging offense, the same old story year in and year out. All right, a couple more supers, and then we're going to dip out for today. W.E. jumping in, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, dog. He says, is Fangio really any different than Vance? Six years of having one of the worst O-lines in the league, no pass rush, no QB, no secondary. W.E. wants Elway out, Zach. And I think that's, you know, we've touched on this a little bit, but you might get your wish. Fangio and Elway are tied together. So at this point, Elway cannot, I think, even with a unresolved and up-in-the-air ownership situation, he can't survive another head coaching change. Like, Joe Ellis can't stand up there and say, we still believe in John as our guy. It's another losing season. We fired another head coach. We're sticking with John. Like, yeah, he brought home the world championship five years ago, but you just – he won't be able to do that. This is it. It's Fangio or bust. And so, W.E., if they don't turn the ship around, you might get your wish. I'll say this. As a defensive coordinator, there's literally no question. It's like a toddler and an adult. Who's a better coach between Fangio and Vance Joseph? In terms of being head coaches, though, I said this on the halftime stream, and I know it's blasphemy. I didn't like VJ, um, and I do think Fangio is a little better as a head coach, but that's scary. Considering how bad Joseph was, if Fangio to me, Chad, is only a little better as a head coach, what has he brought to the table that Vance, you know, where did he make up for Vance's faults? We thought he he cleared the culture and the stink away from Vance's two years last year. It was trending in that direction, but it's the same deer in the headlights, lack of accountability, boneheaded moves. A lot of what Fangio is producing on the sidelines, we saw with Joseph for two years. So I agree with that sentiment. You can make the case for sure that Vic Fangio is not that much better, or maybe even on the same level as Vance Joseph, which is scary and depressing. All right, let's uh, grab these final super chats from Dennis Woods, one of the longtime listeners of our show and a superstar in the community. Appreciate you, Dennis. He says, if we continue this trend and only win three or five games, miss the playoffs, does Fangio get fired or will they give him one more year? I think it just depends on the – it depends on the form in which these – if you end up with three to five wins, it depends. Does Drew Locke end up playing the rest of the season when he comes back in? And how did he look? Was he the issue? Like, it really just depends because if there's hope in the quarterback, I think it extends the life – expectancy of both Elway and Fangio. Um, but if Drew Locke comes in and it's a crap fest and, you know, it just, it all continues. I would say all bets are off Zach at that point. 
I, I think it was Cliss who said that they want Vic Fangio back next year regardless, which is yep. a little premature of a decision to make. I still think with the injuries, losing your quarterback, losing Miller, losing uh, Cortland Sutton, he will get another year, but he will enter 2021 on the hottest of hot seats, kind of like VJ in 2018. So right now, I think Fangio is around for one more year, tentatively. Yeah. I mean, Elway's under contract one more year through 2021, so I think they're riding and dying together on this journey. Uh, discount DA Dub jumping back in. Appreciate you, my Thank friend. You. We have no identity. That's the issue. If we had a line and could run the ball, it would make a so-so quarterback look like an NFL starter. Look at the Titans. Yeah, look at the Titans. That's a fair example. But here's what I'll tell you about about uh, Ryan Tannehill. That dude is arguably the best at play action in the game. Like, mm-hmm. yes, he has the benefit of the reigning rushing champion, and that puts defenses on their heels and feeds into the play action efficiency but man that dude is money in play action so you know he's got his limitations and the titans are going to be one of those teams that you know are going to be a playoff contender as long as he's there but they're never it's going to be like alex smith you never get over the hump because he doesn't bring anything else besides that and sometimes it takes not sometimes it does take more than that um to you know raise all ships around you but your point though da dub remains the same here zach establishing a run game against a beleaguered quarterback depth chart, that would be your best friend, which is why going eight rushes with your $16 million running back today kind of defies rationality. And didn't the Titans come back and beat the Vikings today? Because I I know that Pittsburgh was losing to to, uh, Houston, and they came back and beat Houston. So that shows you that the Broncos' first two opponents were definitely beatable if they were struggling against two 0-2 teams. And it shows the Broncos were are right there. They have the personnel. But in two games, it was Fangio versus Mike Vrabel and Fangio versus Mike Tomlin. That is not going to go well. The Broncos were outcoached in both games, and you can make the argument for sure they were out. He was outcoached today by Bruce Arians. So uh, they have the talent. They're close, but is Fangio the guy? Is he going to get them over the edge? Chad, is he the Tannehill of head coaches? You know, <laughs> close but not good enough. Yeah, close but no cigar. Uh, Dennis Woods jumping in again. Thank you, my Thank friend. Thank you, Dennis. Dilemma, twenty twenty one. In the draft, do we take a quarterback or an offensive tackle in the first round? I'd vote for an offensive tackle. I would too, honestly, because I think even if you get Drew Locke back at at a decent point here in the season and he finishes the year as your quarterback, you're going to see good things. You're going to continue to see a few bad things because he's a young quarterback still figuring it out. But I think they need to ride out the Drew Locke storm. Now, if you end up with the number one overall pick, holler at me and we can have a conversation. But I think that you need to try to focus on riding out the storm with Locke and seeing what you have and, you know, giving him a, a, a full opportunity to be the guy and an offensive tackle would help you do that more so than, of course, going quarterback. Now, again, my caveat to that is in that same situation I just laid out, if it ends up being the Broncos land the number one pick, which I don't think is going to happen, then, you know, it's a conversation that I'm willing to have at that point. But otherwise, offensive tackle. Yeah, you nailed it, Chad. This is there's a two pronged answer here, and the first question is: Is Drew Lock the guy? And if they have that answer, it's like one of those little those branch question things. You see the tree charts or whatever, and they goes to the next question. If that's where are they picking in the draft? Are they number one, number three, number seven, number nine? That makes a big difference. Right now, though, considering you can have Lawrence back there or Lock back there, it doesn't matter if you don't protect him once again. It's not going to make a difference. So right now, I'm taking tackle. And then you got to see what you have in Drew Locke. So it's, it's kind of an incomplete answer right now, Chad. But on September 27th, tackle. Kenneth, your point 
you can get an offensive tackle, a coverage linebacker, a corner if you trade the number one pick. Good point. Yeah, how okay. much do you believe in Locke? At this stage, I think the Broncos' confidence in Locke as a player is not shaken. It's just in, you know, does he have what it takes to roll with the punches of being an NFL quarterback from a physical right. toughness perspective? Not mentally and not, you know, saying he's a wussy or anything like that. I'm just saying, can you withstand <clears> – <throat> the rigors of playing the position in the, at this level. And that, frankly, as high as we both still are on lock, remains to be seen. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for spending some time with us here this evening and uh, contributing to the conversation. We really appreciate you. Mile-high salute to our Super Chat superstars. Love you. Also to our Facebook supporters. Didn't get to Facebook as much tonight just because the chat was so hot and heavy. But uh, thanks to each and every one of you for joining us. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod and at MileHighHuddle. Zach and I are going to be back in the saddle tomorrow night, our usual time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Eastern. Remember, you get a Mile High Huddle podcast live stream same day, every uh, or same time every day, and it's seven days a week, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mountain time. And the only exception to that is a game day. And the game day exception is Zach and I go live with the gut reaction as soon as the game gets over. And obviously the games don't occur usually between six and seven. So um, that's, that's where we're at. We'll see you tomorrow night. We'll see what Vic Fangio had to say about this. We'll see what the decision is at quarterback for, yes. for week four. We're going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow night. So don't miss that live stream. We want to see each and every one of you back in the saddle with us then. And Zach, you know, Hey man, it is what it is. We'll see if this is, you know, Fangio can pick up the pieces and we'll, we'll see you tomorrow, bro. Yeah, it's a quick turnaround, too, because we have a Thursday night game. So uh, it's going to be a lot coming out hot and heavy. I want to see the quarterback decision. I want to see how Vic Fangio rationalizes another game with Wilkinson to tackle. But see you guys all tomorrow night. Amen. And uh, I think it's going to be Bortles, but we'll see. Yeah, me too. Or Zach Kelberman. Oh, and follow Zach, by the way, on Twitter. My partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then our producer, John Cronenberg, at John KMHH on Twitter. All right, gang. Much love to you guys. Keep your chin up. Hey, man, you didn't even know if you were going to have football this year. You got your Broncos. It ain't going swimmingly. But just keep your chin up and enjoy the process, man. And I know it's hard to all this losing five years in a row. It's been frustrating. Keep your chin up and know that your football priests are going to be here with you each and every day after each and every game to break it all down, figure it all out, and which way, uh, you know, try and determine which way the wind is blowing on this thing. But it's football, baby, and it's Broncos football. So, At least enjoy that. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jens. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.